If you missed last week, we were just beginning the series called Christology. And we we're talking about experiencing the presence of the living Lord Jesus in our life, like through our week, through our day. And I hope that was your experience this last week, that you, in a, in a more meaningful and tangible way, ex- experienced the presence of the Lord, who promises in the Great Commission to be with us till the end of the age. That is, it's a promise to be present, and we hold on to that promise. You'll also recall, if you know that Great Commission, to every person who would follow Jesus, this mission to reach every nation, every people group that we have to make disciples, that it was founded on the authority of Jesus Christ. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, he rooted that seemingly impossible task in both his presence and his authority. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, because I have the authority over all things. You go. What does that mean? What does it mean for me to grab hold of the authority of Jesus, to live it out in my experience, and to see his authority working through me to draw neighbors and friends and others to Jesus to follow him? He spoke, that is Jesus, in the great commission of an authority which was given to him by the Father, the Master, the ruler of all things, and its authority, according to Jesus, over heaven and earth. But much to my own detriment, my own struggle, I don't often truly experience conversations filled with that authority or the confidence that his authority is working through me. I I think about human basis of authority. When I was a junior high, I was out scrolling around one night, teeping my friend's house, and I got picked up by the police, thrown in the back seat of this squad car. And I thought, how? In the, and I, was, I was in fear. My heart was going. I was racing. I had never experienced the police in that kind of way before. And they were taking me to my dad, who's actually here. And I thought, how am I ever going to explain that? They walk me up to the front door and my mom opened, which is the worst of all things, because my mom is thinking, what have you done now? You know, and <clears throat> my dad is smiling, knowing what was going on. I experienced human authority in that moment and the consequences of my behavior. But when I think about the authority of God Most High, it's a very different kind of authority that's at work than human authority. My friends, Alan and Lovely, um, decided once they were married to move to back to Taiwan. She was originally from Taiwan. And we decided, a couple of my friends and I decided that we would go visit Alan and Lovely in Taipei. And so we were in Taipei, and she was showing us all the sites. And um, we were going to the museum. Those of you who have been to Taipei know that there's this fantastic museum there. It's, it's rich with all kinds of amazing things. So we were going to the museum there, the National Museum, and Lovely said on her way, she said, um, I need to take care of some of uh, my passport things. I've been having a problem with my passport. And she had dual citizenship, so it was kind of squirrely, and we thought, okay, okay, we'll just stop by the office, you know, so run away. And we stop at this palatial building. It's, it's magnificent. And I thought, okay, well, that's great. She said, come on, come on, come on, come on. So we're following her, and she goes up to the guard. She's speaking not in our language. 
And we don't know what's going on. We're being clueless, just kind of along for the ride. And the guard nods, and he gets on his, you know, walkie-talkie, whatever. And, and we go in. And it's a beautiful lobby, and we go through to the elevator. There's guards there, and we get let in, and we go upstairs. I don't know how many floors. We go into this hallway, and it's decorated beautifully. And we go to these two big doors. And I don't know what's on the face. I do now know what's on the face of one of those doors. It says... Secretary of State. It's the person who's the Secretary of State of Taiwan. And she knocks on the doors. These two guards are right there. And there's, we, we see this beautiful office, massive desk, and this guy behind the desk, you know, radiating authority. And he stands up and he says, Lovely! And she says, Uncle! And they go running and embracing. We're thinking, Wow, that's impressive. She's like, she really pulls strings, doesn't she? But the authority of God is not even that. It's far more than any kind of human authority. The true contrast between our human kind of authority and the authority of God, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, is staggering. Human authority, it may seem intimidating in the moment, but it's just a veneer. It's an imitation. It's like a kid dressing up in a superhero outfit. You can see through it. But the authority of God is real, and it's tangible, and it's intended for every follower of Jesus Christ to live in and with. It's intended to change my conversations and the way that I intend to make disciples. Central to the good news of the Bible is the message that our Lord The creator and king of the nations is purposefully at work in our world. And that's good news, isn't it? Psalm 74 tells us, Yet God, my king, is from old working salvation in the midst of the earth. Always has been his plan to work the rescue of broken people separated from God. And to work their salvation, to heal their brokenness, to redeem them. It's always been his plan. And the crazy thing is that he's invited you and me into this plan. He's invited me into the mission that he has. God's writing out his salvation history, a salvation for the nations that's been from old. Isaiah, in Isaiah 42, writes a passage, a messianic passage about Jesus. And in the middle of that, he says this word in Isaiah 42, Verses 5 through 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Isaiah 42, 5 through 8 says this. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it. The reason why you're alive, why you're sucking in breath right now, that's from him. And spirit to those who walk in it, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I've called you by name. I've called you to walk with me and to experience what right living is like. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison. Those who sit in darkness, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. 
nor my praise to carved idols. I am the, the living God, the one and only, the mighty and majestic. And it is my name that is above every name. And that name is the name that you wear as a believer in Jesus Christ. What does that even look like? We just celebrated Christmas, didn't we? That God is with us. That he's present, active, alive on earth. When Jesus was attempting to help his disciples catch a little of what his authority looked like, they had difficulty understanding. In fact, even after the resurrection, they were still trying to get their minds around it, weren't they? But in the middle of ministry with them, Matthew writes a text that was compelling about his authority. It comes in Matthew chapter 8. Again, turn your Bible there, Matthew chapter 8, if you have one. If you don't have a Bible, there's some provided for you. And, um, or maybe you have it on your electronic device. More and more people use that. Matthew 8, starting verse 23 through 27, is this brief story. Now, I want you to think, as I read this story, about what's being communicated. And when he got into the boat, that is Jesus, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds. And the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? There's a lot left out of that account, a lot of the details, isn't there? You want to know how in the world could Jesus have been sleeping through that? How'd that happen? Me, as soon as I start getting queasy on the boat, you know, I'm, I'm awake. I'm just trying to, Jesus is sleeping through this storm. And you're thinking, it must have been this giant storm because some of the disciples were fishermen. They had a lot of time spent on the sea. What, you know, what would cause them to shrink up and be like little girls, like screaming out to Jesus? But we don't get the details from Matthew because he's wanting us to actually get the central point of what Jesus was doing. So they see Jesus. They wake him up. They run to him, wake him up. And he says, why are you a little faith one? Why is your faith in me so small that you don't catch who I am? And then he masters, he demonstrates his mastery, his authority over the sea and over the wind. And they marvel. They're dumbstruck. They're wondering, who is this that we've been walking around with? They've seen him feed all kinds of people. They've seen him heal diseases and confront evil spirits. But this was something that just took their breath away. What kind of authority does Jesus have? I believe their slowness to understand the Lord's authority is related to my slowness. Jesus doesn't wield authority like others wield it, does he? He's not driven by selfish motives or a lust for power 
or need to get attention or to prove himself. He's driven by this eternal plan. It's a mysterious plan, as Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 6, says this. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, that God had this plan not just for one people, but for every kind of people throughout the earth. Members of the same body that God would take you and me and relate us as family. There are people here this morning from all over the world, from Singapore and from China and from Uganda and Ghana. There are people here from Central America and there are people here who are natives of Fremont. Isn't that weird? And all of us are called to be this body together, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, the good news that Jesus draws people from India and people from Australia and people from Southern California even to experience the gospel, the freedom that's found in forgiveness in Christ. Of this gospel, I was made a minister, Paul says, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power to me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized In Christ Jesus, our Lord, that he would draw people from all over the nations and make them into one body to express this mystery of the gospel, that God is about loving people from all the world to bring them to himself. And we get to be a part of that by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's stunning. It's a mystery. We're still trying to get our heads around it. The word Jesus uses for authority to describe his own authority, refers to power, ability, and the capability to act, to get this mission done. He's not talking about a role specifically. He's talking about an action for us to participate in. When my boys were little, I tried to use my dad authority to get things done. When they were not going to eat, I tried to wear my dad face stern dad face and tell them what to do, right? Or when they were disobeying mom and squirming in their high chairs, I would use my dad authority. Now, I can't get them to stop eating. They're bigger than I. They go to bed later than I do. I once thought that I had authority, that I was dad, and I can leverage that almighty dad authority. Now, not so much. It's changed. The authority of God is exponentially different than mine. How much greater is the authority of God living in you, accessible to you, moving you to accomplish the mission than any other authority presently in this earth? Jesus wasn't playing word games when he tied our mission to his authority. He wasn't teasing us 
and saying, oh, well, maybe one day you could experience this. He was inviting us to participate in an authority that is immeasurably greater than we often understand. Paul prays this out in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. And I want you to listen to his prayer for you, for me, for followers of Jesus. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above our rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. It's that very authority and power that you are to experience as you have conversations with friends at school and at work, as you lean hard into it, that God would change people. It's not about you changing people. You won't. But he has the authority and the power to do great things, greater than you can imagine. Some of you have watched the movie Thor, or you know a little bit of the Marvel comic Thor, where he's got that great big hammer that he's going to wield. And other people can't lift it up. They don't have, they're not worthy to lift it up, right? They can't pick up that big hammer. Sometimes we view this picture of our faith in the same way. We couldn't really wield the power of God, so we don't try. It's true that we're not worthy. That's absolutely clear in Scripture. You're not worthy to do that. But your worthiness is found in Christ because you have given your life to him, to follow him. He grants you the authority to pick up the hammer, to pick up the authority of God and to wield it for his kingdom's sake. It's found, this authority, in Christ alone. And Paul wasn't praying for something ephemeral. Our Lord was not speaking about theological abstractions that we could never practice Jesus was inviting us to experience something real and usable. So why did Jesus base the mission on the authority of God if he knew I would have issues understanding it, struggling to figure it out and how to practice it? Paul addresses those questions in a text that we're going to dive deeper into next week. It's found in Colossians chapter 1. It's one of the great towering passages of scripture, Colossians chapter 1. I just want you to read it and think about it as in the context we're talking about the authority of Christ and how to use it. I'm going to start in verse 11. We'll go through verse 20. I'm going to invite you to read it this week as you think about one of the great texts that describe Christ. Listen to the word of the Lord. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Think about that. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And he invites us into this same work. This mighty one. Why does he invite us into that? It's so difficult to understand, to comprehend. He invites us, Paul writes in the latter part of this letter in Ephesians chapter 6, because we cannot do it. We cannot accomplish the mission or even enter into the battle on our own. He writes these words in Ephesians 6, 12 to 13. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We don't stand in our own authority, our own righteousness, our own good works. We stand in the authority of the living Lord Jesus Christ, the maker and sustainer of heaven and earth. Amen to that? And that's an astounding thing that we have been given as believers, this authority from Christ Jesus. And it's a sobering reminder that our battles are real and substantial and will overwhelm us unless we live in the protection and strength of the Lord Jesus. If you've ever sought to disciple someone, to help them grow in faith, in your own strength, you know exactly what I'm talking about here, that you will be frustrated, frustrated with their lack of progress, or when they turn around and go back to what they were involved with before they came to faith in Jesus. You'll know the pain and the regret of of just trying to work your own self, their own spiritual growth. A person grows in Christ through the presence and the power, the activity, the authority of Jesus Christ, and not yours. So we have to lean into that. I was talking with a friend right after the first service, and he was expressing about how that was happening. He was doing all these things to try to move that person, his family members, along in their faith, and they were resisting. He was struggling. He was just at the end of his rope, and he was thinking, I was just trying to do it by myself. Not really trusting that God is the one who's going to move and work inside my friends, my family members. But it is him. Newsflash, we can't do the mission on our own, right? We have to lean into the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have this authority. When a person comes to you with all kinds of doubts and questions about God's word or about whether God even exists. Friend, you have the authority of the living Lord Jesus Christ that you know personally to bring into that conversation with confidence. 
knowing no authority stands up to the living God. No authority. We have confidence that people can be discipled here, not because we're a great church or because we're winsome with our faith. It's because of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me sound out a warning here. The authority of Jesus Christ is not to be used as a talisman, like a magic thing in our life. I know some Christians who call on the name of the Lord Jesus to get what they want. At least they think they're doing that. It doesn't work that way. They feel like they're rubbing this magic lamp if they just say, in the name of Jesus. That's not exactly what Scripture is teaching here. The name of Jesus is powerful. And it will bring about life change. And we do rightly call out for it, for this kind of authority. But it's always connected to the fulfillment of the mission. So what does it look like? I've told this story before, and some of you might recall it. Um, I love camp. I got to do ministry, youth ministry, for a lot of years. I love everything about it, most everything about it. (laughs) And um, I have this great memory one year going up to winter camp with all these kids. And, uh, you know, it was snowing. It was up in the San Bernardino Mountains at Forest Home. And um, we're there at camp, and we're, we're listening to this speaker. And we'd invited uh, kids to come, invited our, our junior hires. It was a junior high camp to invite their friends. And this one girl, Cheryl, had invited six of her friends who said, yes, they would go to camp with her. It's amazing, right? I mean, that's really impressive. I never got six friends to go with me to camp. But Cheryl did. She got her friends to come, and none of them knew Jesus. And um, the gospel was presented, this good news, that, that Jesus Christ loves us. And he gave himself for us on the cross to die for us so that we might have forgiveness. We might lay our shame and guilt aside. And he would forgive our sins if we just place our faith in him. We just turn to him. And the speaker communicated that and then said, listen, if, if you want to trust Christ, I just want to invite you to stay back and just stay in your groups and someone will talk with you and explain that. And you can just call out to God as you sit. And so at the end of the message, that's what he said. And um, a lot of kids stayed. A ton of kids stayed afterwards. Something about junior high kids that are vulnerable and honest enough to actually deal with the truth. Like some of us adults have all these layers, and we resist it, and we think we've got all our answers and our own pride and arrogance. Um, but these junior hires, they were tenderhearted that night, and they stayed, a bunch of them stayed back. And I was looking around the scene to make sure all the kids were being taken care of, and um, I noticed this one group over to the side that didn't have a counselor there, didn't have an adult with them. And it was Cheryl's group. It was Cheryl and her six friends. And they're all sitting around this circle. And uh, Cheryl, I see her looking around like, where's the help? Where's the help? And uh, we kind of make eye contact. And she's like, come over here, you know. So I came over. And Cheryl's like, my friends, they, they want to um, trust Christ. I'm like, that's fantastic, Cheryl. You lead them. And she's like at this look of fear, like, how can I do this? I said, no, yeah, um, it's God's work. You just explain it. She stammered and stuttered, you know, over her words, and she was trying to communicate the faith. And, and um, 
And she invited him to pray. And one by one, these girls, just in vulnerable, tender language, just honest about their sin. Like, I love this about junior hires. They, they get to that place, and they don't, like, try to play like adults often do, you know, bargaining with God or giving excuses for all their sinful behavior or whatever. They just come. And they just, this honest little prayers, one after another after another. And... um. And I'm peeking, you know, a little bit during the prayers at Cheryl. And I just, I just see this huge smile on her face and tears are coming to her eyes. And, like, and in that moment, I just sensed the power and authority of God just reach in and save these girls around the circle through Cheryl. He was using, as Paul said, the weakest of these so that he might get the glory. That is his eternal powerful, wonderful plan, delightful mystery. And I've got tears in my eyes as I'm seeing this happen. I'm just, you know, I'm just so thrilled that God was doing this work through this junior high girl and emphasizing this truth. God can use every one of us. Every one of us. It's not about your authority or your capacity, your education, your capacity to communicate. It's about the authority of God using you to blast through sin and brokenness and the power of Satan and his grip on people's lives that you love, your family, your friends, the people in your world, and him entering into that moment. And that's my great hunger and prayer for us. By the way, small tangent, winter camps are coming up for us children's ministry and junior high ministry and high school ministry. And I want to strongly encourage you, if you've got kids or neighbors that are in that area, to get them to one of those camps so that they can experience that and understand the gospel clearly. Help them get there. Start praying about it. Make sure you sign them up. God can use kids because it's not about their authority. It's about the authority of Christ Jesus. This church, we are deeply committed to help you experience this year what Cheryl experienced around that circle. To not be content for this year to go forward without you doing the mission, what God has called you to do, to participate in it, and to see God's work unleashed in you. Our mission as a church is to make disciples of every people group. That's what we hunger and thirst for and thirst more for it. We'd love to see, this is our vision, to see a thousand new disciples. And that is going to happen by the authority of God, not of us. So how do we step forward into that? Let me encourage you two ways. The first is this. I'd love to challenge you to take the next seven days to pray for the presence and the authority of God in your life to be experienced in ways that you have not yet experienced it or you haven't for a long season. For you just to call out to the Lord for his presence and his authority to pour out through you because that's his plan. It's his mission. So humbly pray for that. I don't know how you best remind yourself of that. Pick something 
in your life that happens at least daily for you. And have that provoke a memory for you. Oh, I got to pray. Got to pray for the presence and authority of God in my life. I've shared this story before as well that when I was in high school, someone called me out on this very thing. And I was working at a market. And so I chose that every time a milk came through when I was working, that I would pray to experience this. And some days, man, we'd get 30, 40, 50 milks, you know, coming through. And I was like, okay, I get it, I get it, right? But I I would just encourage you to pick something that happens in your life in a daily thing and just have it spark this memory. God, I need your presence and authority in the conversations I'm going to have and the way that I'm living my life. I need this and I'm asking for it. So pray. Take the next seven days to pray for his presence and authority and perhaps it's going to provoke a year-long practice for you to be praying out this and asking him for it. And second, consider inviting a friend to this investigating Jesus thing that we're going to do starting at the first week of February. Here's how it's set up. We're just going to have food. It's going to be upstairs at the 9 o'clock hour. We're going to have food, hangout time, just very friendly. We're going to show some, um, some videos of great communicators, just short videos that will spark discussion. And we're going to just sit around and we're going to talk about questions like, who is God? Does he truly exist? Who is Jesus and what are his claims? And how does that impact our lives? And we're going to take, take that time to do that. And if you have some friends, if you can use that tool, I invite you to start thinking, considering, praying about how you can use the tool. I know this, that the authority of God is immeasurably great. My power, my strength is very limited, but his is not. We serve a great king and master who has an eternal plan to draw the nations to himself, and we get to participate in that. And I invite you to get more serious about it this year. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this encouraging, challenging word from your word. And I pray that you would would unleash your authority here and your power so that we might see your hand the lives of people in our world, that they might come to you and you might use us to make disciples this year. Pour out your blessing for your glory and not our own. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.